Hey, hey guys. guys, we are back on state number two of our serial killer by state series. And in this episode, we are going to be covering Robert Hansen of Alaska. And let me tell you, this is quite the case. This one is crazy. We are very excited to do this episode. There's going to be a lot to cover, a lot to go through. He has potentially up to like, what was it, 37 37. victims? Um, So I think in this episode, we're not going to cover every single victim, but we'll go through and kind of talk about the ones that have a significance or stuck out to us. So, going into the background of Robert Hansen, he was actually born in 1939 in Esterville, Iowa, and he had one other sibling. His mom was American and his dad was Danish, Yep. and he worked for his family's bakery Yes. for a long time. Yep, and I'm sure that Danish background probably played into, like, them opening a bakery um, just in their, like, local little town. They ended up moving to California in 1942, but then went back to Iowa seven years later. Um, You know, he was said to have a stutter, and he was just painfully shy, I guess. Um, And then he had bad acne that left him permanently scarred. Um, You know, those things, growing up at a high school age, like, that can be tough. It can be hard to navigate that and get through that, and it's always a tough age. Like, you're figuring out your friends and trying to fit in, and so when you're dealing with those issues, like, it can make it tough, but... There's no excuse for the behavior and the crimes that you then, you know, have in in the future. Yeah. Yeah. He definitely had some very violent crimes, and I don't know if this... He definitely has some serious mental health things going on because his his early life was not enough to stem such violent crimes that he committed and the amount of crimes that he committed. I mean, this is a significant thing. Like, aside from the potential 37 people that he killed. Which is insane. There's over 30 rapes. There's attempted rapes. There's multiple thefts, petty thefts, um... I mean, there's just victimless crimes. There was arson, larceny. Like, yeah. there's so many things that he has done that I personally don't feel like that background should have pushed him to do. No, and I completely agree. I, It's almost not random, but some of them definitely, see, like, I don't know what the reasoning was besides right. he just wanted to do it. Right. And that just kind of seems like what he did. So, also, at a younger age, he started to practice archery um, and hunting, which will Mm -hmm. definitely play in later on. But so, he liked both of those. And then he enlisted in the Army shortly after high school. Mm -hmm. However, he was only in there for one year before being discharged. Yes. And there's not a ton of information on if it was an honorable discharge, a dishonorable discharge. There's not a lot of information Which would be interesting to know. I mean, was it something like maybe they were screening mental health and just realized, okay, like this person's probably not mentally fit to be in this position. Um, And that's another thing that, again, can play into his crimes with the hunting and the violence. Like, Maybe maybe this was some sort of PTSD from military or I didn't really think about it from that angle. So I didn't either, but it, it definitely could be. And sometimes people can discharge themselves. I mean, I know that it is extremely mentally tough and exhausting yeah. in the military. And they do. They try to break you for a reason. And yeah. a lot of mental 
It takes a mental toll. Yeah. For sure. Um, after that, he worked as an assistant drill instructor at the police academy where his family lived in Iowa. Um, and then he began a relationship with a younger woman. And then they ended up getting married in 1960. Um, but in December of that year, he was arrested for burning down a county board of education school bus garage. He did this for revenge for his unpopularity in high school. Personally, I feel like that's a bit extreme. I have to agree. Um, I mean, burning down a whole building just because you weren't popular is not something I'd be doing. But, no, you know, to no, each their own, no. I suppose. <laughs> um, he was sentenced to three years for that crime, but only served 20 months of that. Um, and during that incarceration, some pretty significant things happened. So he was diagnosed with manic depression with periodic schizophrenic episodes and then that psychiatrist who made that diagnosis noted that he also had an infantile personality who basically just came be like obsessed with getting back at people that he felt wronged him. So I don't know. And I know that we talked about this earlier, but it's almost like what you said here. This does not correlate totally with his later murders. No, not at all. It was more random and just because he wanted to there was no sort of i need to get revenge on these people right. where in his earlier crimes it does appear yes that he wanted revenge on things yep but as his crimes continue and as they kind of get worse i it doesn't appear to stem from that yeah yeah um and then during that incarceration his wife filed for divorce and they were divorced then, over the next few years, he was in and out of jail for, like, petty theft and just some other little, like, misdemeanor or, like, low felony crimes. Um, he remarried in 1963, and then they moved to Anchorage, Alaska. So, this is where things... Alaska, it seems like once he got there, everything took a darker turn. Everything got... He was doing more serious crimes. He... That's kind of where it all started. And I don't know if... I don't know what spurred that out there. Maybe it was the environment. Again, we talked about how, like, prostitution and, like, there's just a lot of things going on out there. And it was a big it, a big money area for yeah. these type of um, professions of yeah. prostitutes, pit, pimps, mm -hmm. and exotic dancers. It was a big money area so they were continuously going in and out and it could yeah. very well be i don't know the surroundings and yeah. the environment for him absolutely um in 71 so like eight years after they well no i'm trying to think here he got married in 63 and then in 67 is when they moved out to alaska so they've been out there for like four years at this point he and his wife and they had two kids um he was arrested twice one for an attempted rape of an un unidentified housewife and then for actually raping an unidentified prostitute. Um, he was sentenced to five years for this, which honestly at that point is not a terrible, I mean, it's it's a terrible sentence, but I feel like for a while there, like rape crimes were not even getting sentenced for more than a year. So which the fact so that he did get horrible. five years out of, right. Yeah. The fact that he did get five years out of that in that time period was pretty, you know, it's it's kind of high. Was he married to his second wife at this point? Yes. With two kids. And 
you know, apparently they knew nothing of his other life, but they had to, his wife had to be aware of he was in, he was in jail for rape. Yeah. And it doesn't say anything about them getting divorced after this. So I don't, I don't know what's going on there. That's a whole nother, (laughs) that's a whole nother thing. Um, but with that five year sentence, he only ended up serving six months. Could you imagine being the victims of both, like both of those victims? No. He was basically put on a work release program and then released to a halfway house after six months. I don't understand how he continuously gets, not even, not away because he, I mean, he gets charged, but like let off and gets plea deals. and And it happens again. In 76, he was caught stealing a chainsaw. Oh, from a store. One does. Yeah, he pled guilty, again sentenced to five years, and then was also required to receive psychiatric treatment for his bipolar disorder. Again, the Supreme, the Alaska Supreme Court reduced his sentence, and he was released with a small amount of time served. So I don't know how he continues to get off, and how he can, he keeps getting these plea bargains and plea deals. I don't understand, and I don't know if they're trying to use mental insanity. Because it is during the 70s and 80s. And now, right. oh, he has manic depression. Oh, schizophrenic mm-hmm. episodes. Now he's bipolar and mm-hmm. he needs treatment for these. But but when you look at someone I, with a record that is just progressively getting worse and worse and worse and the crimes are getting more serious, why would a Supreme Court look at that and be like, nah, we'll let him get out early? I just don't understand that. And maybe... And it's scarier even if he does have schizophrenic episodes. Right. That, right. Then, like, they didn't even put him in, like, a mental hospital or anything like that. No. And it does it does say he was supposed to receive psychiatric treatment, but it doesn't say anything about him being put in a facility no. to get the inpatient treatment that he probably needed. And during the 70s, I don't, like, what kind of psychiatric treatment was available. Right. That's just it. Probably you know? not to the extent of what there is today. No. So... Yeah, I don't know. But there's definitely, he's had a lot of very little crimes throughout this. And after this, this is when things started to get pretty, pretty dark. Um, He started, this is when his murders kind of started. Um, Essentially, his MO was to pick up a prostitute or exotic dancer in his car and then hold them at gunpoint until he got them to his house where he would rape them. And then after this, he had his own plane. He yes. would put these women, well, not multiple at one time. I'm going to make that clear. Yeah. Um, one at a time, he would put them in a plane, fly them out to other land I believe he owned. But it doesn't explicitly no. outright say that he owned the land, but I would assume so. Um, he would take them out to this secluded area and with hundreds of acres like yes. a ton of yes. land where no one was around yeah very secluded um and he would hunt the victim as if it were a game and then he would shoot or stab them so quite the it's a lot yeah it's a lot yeah it and we originally when we were 
researching this case, we read a book in um, school. Yes. The the most dangerous the most game. The most dangerous game. But that came out prior to yes. this. But I was reading an article and I do think that he probably got some inspiration from that. It, I would it, doubt it. It captivated some of these estranged yeah. people and thinkers and... That's exactly what he did. He, yeah. He truly and especially he would let like, them go and then hunt them, like, with a rifle. Yeah. And especially being an isolated person. And I feel like you do do more things like that. You will read more books or think into things more deeply. Like, when you're isolated, I feel like you can look at different ideals and really take to it and grasp to it. And it seems like that's kind of the personality that he had. Um, yeah. So he was definitely very violent. Um, I don't know if this just caused him to like get off in some way of like the the game of it all. Like if it was fun for him or if I don't know. But you don't really hear. I mean, you don't hear of cases like this very often. Oh, no. Like, and the fact that there could potentially be up to 37 victims. Yeah. And it was known that he raped like 31 and up people. And I want I want to say, I don't know this for sure, and I could be completely off on this, but I believe that the 30 plus rapes are different from the rape murders. So not only did he potentially rape and murder 37 people, but an additional 30 30. plus people were raped which is sickening yeah it's absurd that makes the first two that um he raped prior Mm -hmm. um you know he didn't kill them no no So so he was he was very sick in the head for sure um the first victim it's kind of theorized it's interesting um she was only 18 years old. Her name was Celia Van Zanten. Um, she was abducted. She was like a prostitute or exotic dancer, which is pretty much what all of his victims were. Yes. Um, and she was, her body was actually found froze to death, but it was on that land. And she was kidnapped. So when, when they started finding other bodies on this property... She was the first to be found, but at that point, they didn't know what was going on. So she kind of wasn't connected until later on in this case, but... And it appeared that she escaped and she froze. Not that he, like, killed her, but she escaped in the wilderness because... But again, there's so many acres on that land, like... If you, you can run away from him, but... And this is December. This is December of 1971. Winters in Alaska are, like, no joke. So, it's not shocking to me that she froze to death, and it's extremely sad. Like, you're like, oh, I escaped. Like, I'm going to get out of here. And when you have hundreds of acres, you can't. there is no escaping. As sad like, as it is to say, there just is no out. And like we said, he flew his yeah. private plane with yeah. these women over there. So, that kind of seemed like the only way in and out. Yeah. And I'm interested, like, when he kidnapped them and, I don't know, like, 
did he bind them? Like, how did he... Yeah, and that's what I haven't been able to find. It doesn't seem like much detail is really given in this case, just because there's so many people to cover. Um, yeah. That not a lot of that information was totally released. Um, but yeah, there's just so many to go through. I don't think we can go through each and every person. No. Um, but there was another significant thing, kind of jumping from first to last. Just back in October of 2021, there was another victim identified. I mean, you're talking 40 to 50 years after these crimes happened, they're still, still. identifying people. Um, this girl was only 19 years old when she, and she was never even reported missing. Oh my That's gosh. the saddest thing about it. She was never reported missing and they found her and they did a new DNA profile on her and they actually used like genealogy and ancestry and they built a family tree and they found who they thought to be close relatives and they took DNA from that person and it was confirmed that that's who it was. Oh my god! And so imagine being that family like not ever knowing, I mean, they couldn't have known where she went or what happened considering she was never reported missing. And then you hear this 40 to 50 years later, like, hey, we're really sorry. You know, your family member was a victim of one of the most notorious serial, serial killers, killers to ever be in the United States. I couldn't I, even imagine. I couldn't imagine. But honestly, like, I'm... kudos to like the Alaska like Bureau of Investigation and the cold case unit because For... working on this from the 70s all the way up to our current era like that's awesome that they're continuing to try and get like peace and justice for these families of and the they have been working at, I mean clearly we've seen it they're still connecting but yeah. I have seen in multiple articles that I've been looking at that the investigative team is always working and they've been working on this for years and so yeah. once again kudos to them and as we always say the families deserve peace and justice yep. and just to know what's going on yeah as a family member it would make me just I would feel so uneasy all the time not knowing yeah but it's even sadder that she was never even even reported missing and that was kind of one of his big things though with going after these women because right. in the beginning he actually didn't he I know he had or attempted um some people that weren't some women that weren't prostitutes or mm -hmm. in that realm and he realized these people don't get reported as much they don't get yeah searched for just because of societal judgment and it would be easier for him to get away with it and keep doing it more and more and so that's what he chose yep yep and there was there was a couple cases now and I think when he got charges brought up against him this is why he had attempted kidnapping charges a couple of his potential victims would plead with him and say we will never give you up to police if you let us go like we we will not ever say your name we'll never speak of this day again like please just let us go and he would he would let them go and he, he would never, I mean, they would survive and, like, act like, you know, nothing ever happened. And I'm sure that some of them were probably so scared and shook up that they 
really never did say anything, maybe until he was on trial. trial. And someone else had, you know, got him to that point. But how crazy. Knowing, I mean, they didn't know his true colors at that point. But the fact that they were like, you know what? Let's just fight. Let's let's see if he's willing to do this. And he did. Sure enough, they would walk. So that's pretty crazy to that's me. That's insane. That How often do you see serial right. killers at the six actually give just up? Just let you go like that with nothing? Just let you out of the car and walk? That's crazy to me. That's... I don't... That's insane. I mean, imagine how many more victims he would have had he not done that. That's my question. I don't even want to know. Like, I'm sure that happened, like, more than a couple times. So, it's pretty crazy to me. I don't even know. So, I guess when it comes to a motive for this, I don't think there's, like, a dead set motive. Like, the Alabama case we covered. He was, you know, white supremacist, neo-Nazi, and, like, just hated those type of people. But in this case, like we said in the beginning, it was more about, like, getting revenge on people who wronged him. But he didn't know any of these people and none of them wronged him. No. He didn't have anything with prostitution or any of that growing up. There wasn't abuse growing up. So we're trying to think, like, what could have triggered this? And I feel like we've kind of come to the conclusion (laughs) that he basically, like, made a game for himself He didn't have that power or control in high school when he was not popular. He wasn't getting that attention or the recognition that he probably wanted. wanted. Um, And so he basically got addicted to his own sick and twisted game. Yeah, he created an environment for himself Mm -hmm. where he was in control and he had the power. And I think he became addicted to that feeling. Yeah. And couldn't stop. No. Yeah, it's uh, I it's just hard to tell, and we could be completely off, right? Like, yeah, this one is what we think the motive yeah. is now. Is that true? I don't know, but that's you probably all... just have to ask him yourself. But unfortunately, he's, he's no longer living. No, so um, we're fortunately. Well, you're right. You're right. It's fair enough. Um, but. When it comes to his imprisonment for these crimes, this was a, this is a wild ride. Um, First of all, Alaska abolished the death penalty in 1957, so that was not even an option in this case. But what shocks me the most is that he was only convicted of four murders, but he, he gave police 17 grave sites. How are you only getting convicted of four crimes? 17. And he confessed to things. Like, he, yeah. a lot of the times, was very honest. Yeah. How? I, I will never understand. How are you literally giving police, yep, here's 17 grave sites. And they're like, oh, we'll convict you for four. four. Like, no. talk about injustice to the other, like... How, how many, 20 plus families. That's insane to me. That's horrible. I couldn't even imagine being those families like, what, he confessed to killing my daughter and then he's just not charged. Now, given he was put in jail for like 
400 plus. He was sentenced to 461 years without pr- the possibility of parole. But it's still which the, is a which yeah. is the highest sentence you can get behind the death penalty. It's still the injustice to the other families right. knowing that their daughter or their family member or their mm-hmm. friend mm-hmm. didn't, I guess, make the cut to be charged with. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if it's because of, like, a lack of evidence. I don't know if it's because maybe the bodies were too decomposed to get, like, DNA or, like, ballistics or... And I know that some of them were stabbed, so maybe he... They couldn't find the weapon to link. I don't know the full details. And it very well could be And there's be probably about maybe, like, a legal... Yeah, it's probably more circumstantial than anything. And I know that a lot of the times squirts do not like circumstantial evidence. And it's no. not enough to actually have a conviction. But, again, a confession is not circumstantial. A confession is a confession. And so if you did have enough evidence to charge him with four murders and then he's confessing to 17, he already – you already know for a fact that he killed right. four people. Right. So what's to say that he's he not He would do it again. More? Yeah. So, again, in this case, he was given a plea deal – um, he basically provided details about his other victims in return for serving his sentence in a federal prison. He had no publicity in the press, which is crazy to me. How do you put that? How do you get that in a plea deal? No, I've I mean, never heard of that. But honestly, again, maybe that's why this case is just not as well known. Because he didn't be. get that publicity. Think of how many people, and there's some notorious serial killers that everyone knows that have actually murdered, not, I don't want to say less than what you think, because yeah. obviously it's all horrible, but he's definitely I mean, I was, when I found this case, so many I was shocked that I'd never heard of this before, with the amount of victims in this. I mean, I was shocked when I first reading, like, when Why I first have, read this, my jaw yeah. was on the floor. I was like, well, it, the whole thing is crazy. He's literally hunting people. Yeah. My question for you, though, is why do you think he would want no publicity? Because when we're talking about our motive, it's all about that power and control. And he wasn't popular. So don't, wouldn't you think he would want that popularity? And that's, that's what's interesting that's to me. That's a very good question because I, I have thought about that with this case. You, If it is about unpopularity, I do think he would want However, that However, I think he was smart enough to realize if he wanted to keep this going for as long as he did Mm -hmm. he needed to lay low which is why he chose the group of people he did i think that maybe there was enough power and control just over that particular person at the time yeah that gave him enough i don't know satisfaction or whatever sick Mm -hmm. reasoning he had but i think he realized if it did get out in the press. Yeah. And on top of that, he did have a wife and two kids at home. Right. Right. And, you know, he, people around him thought he he was a good family man. As we always see, he was a Christian. Like, yeah, we've seen this many of times and maybe he did not want. I don't know. I don't know if he didn't want the public to see this other side of him. And maybe this was his secret, his, you know, secret life. He wanted that to be personal for him. And if 
if a news story went out saying that prostitutes are being targeted, they yeah. would all leave the area. Yeah, right. That's a good so point. Then, so then he wouldn't have... Yeah, that's a good point. It's it's definitely interesting. There's a lot of conflicting things in this case, and I think that's partly why I find it so interesting. Because the beginning era of his life is very... Not different, but is different yes. from the well, to the time he got arrested for yeah. the murders. He was in the army. He was in, like, yeah. what, the police force or something? Yeah. like police academy. And those are two scary things, and he was into archery and hunting. Like, those mm-hmm. are two scary things. Well, multiple that, you know, you gain a lot of knowledge in that of how to... Oh, yeah. It's it's a wild one, and, you know, he basically, the remains of 12 of the probable 21 to 37 victims were exhumed by police and then returned to their families, but that's only 12 of, you know, the suspected number. So that's, if it, if there is 37, hypothetically, that's 25 victims remaining not with their families. That's so sad. That's so sad. It's crazy to me. Crazy to me. So this was definitely an interesting one to read, and we were very excited to talk about it, you know. Um, he did – I know we mentioned that before I, you know, switch gears yeah, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, um, We mentioned he did pass away. He died in 2014. He was 75, just of, like – I guess natural causes from ongoing health conditions and it doesn't specify what those were but um he did pass away in jail um going on 10 years now so i don't know it's 75 yeah. isn't too old but i guess when you're living life isolated in a prison yeah. it's probably a little different yeah um no i'm glad that we got to cover this case and once again i love that we're doing this series but this was one that I was not aware of, and I didn't realize how popular and how many things were based off of this case, though. I mean, one, there's been uh, Criminal Minds episodes off of this, FBI Files episode off of this, Mind Hunters, which I believe is on Netflix, Um, I don't know, like, Dexter, an episode of Dexter was based off of this, and then... There's a movie with Nicolas Cage and Vanessa Hudgens in it. It's called, if you want to watch, it's called The Frozen Ground. It was in 2013. I mean, I love Vanessa Hudgens and I've not seen this movie, but I would have never guessed that this case was that popular to have all of these episodes based on it. But again, I've probably watched the episodes and not even realized that that it was this case. Yeah. Yeah. And it makes sense. I mean, you don't hear of, like we said earlier, you don't hear of cases like this. Like, no. A man literally hunting women down in the woods, right? Like, not, not a super common MO to have. No. So, it was, I was just shocked that neither of us had heard about this. Yeah. So, I have one more question for you, and I don't know if you know the answer to this or not, but do you know what his second wife ended up doing? Did she end up divorcing him or... So, actually, when he got sentenced mm-hmm. with the 461-year sentence, she divorced him. Okay. Took the kids, well, obviously, yeah. Um, yeah. to Arkansas. She sold the house, the bakery in Alaska, and moved. So she, Yeah, she should. Yeah. 
it's I couldn't imagine I couldn't imagine being in that position no like seriously like I don't know if I'd recover kids I don't I mean imagine imagine being his kids no that's crazy and I'm sure that's why they moved so far away to yeah to get away from it and be able to start a new life yeah as best you can I guess for sure well I think unless you have any other like lingering questions (laughs) um I think that's all we have for this one. I hope you guys, in, or we hope yeah. you guys enjoyed this episode. Um, we thought it was pretty interesting. Yes. Definitely not cases you hear about all the time. I know we've said that, but it, I just can't get over that. You just it, This is no. definitely an, an it's a outlier. Case. It's an outlier yeah. case. I don't think we're going to have many that compare to the magnitude of this. No. <laughs> I mean, of course, we're covering the most, no, like, the, the most notorious <laughs> from each state, and it's... We're going to have some wild ones, of course, but this one definitely stuck out to me. Um, and next week we will be covering Arizona. Um, I'm so, I'm just so excited for this series. I love that we're getting to do this. Um, and it really gives, I know for sure us, and I hope you guys too, just something to look forward to. Yeah. Yeah. And be excited about because. I mean, we're going state by state. Like, yeah. I haven't heard of some of these people either. So yeah. it's been fun for us to do the research on these. Yeah, it's fun. Like, we love covering new cases, of course, too. And, like, all the breaking news that's happening. But it is nice to look, to be able to see a case from start, start to, to finish. finish. You know? and Because that's what's so captivating. Like, you know the ending. You know the outcome. And it's it's definitely... Yeah definitely interesting there is one thing that i want to touch on that is a recent event that i feel like we just have to throw in here quickly can we talk about the escaped inmate (gasps) from pennsylvania i feel like we need to like discuss this briefly so danello calvicante i believe is his name this man literally like spider climbed up a wall he he did not even look human he looked so scary yeah he robbed houses he stole a gun from someone's house was gone for two weeks full-on aerial and ground manhunt yeah in two weeks that's terrifying that we had literally well he did he did end up saying his plan was to flee the country and go to mexico so he was trying to get there but I'm like, I I couldn't even imagine I can't that, that happened. And he said he survived off watermelon that he stole. I'd like to throw that out there, watermelon. I also saw that somehow he got his hair braided, which is just <laughs> random to me. Who's braiding I mean, this man's that's hair? What I want. I would love to know that. I yeah. I don't even have words. But I couldn't imagine living in that area with, like, an escaped murderer. An escaped murderer? How does that even happen in today's prisons? Do you know the crime that he did? He literally stabbed, like, his girlfriend or ex-girlfriend, like, over 30 times. That's insane. Obviously a very violent person to have on the loose. And they did capture him. This was this happened like as of what, like four days ago. And Yoda, the police dog, Yoda captured him. He got him down. Yeah. So they did find him. He is back. He's in a. They moved him to a different prison. It's a maximum security, like very tightly guarded facility, which he obviously needs to be in. Yes. 
Um, I'm sure he's probably in, like, solitary confinement oh, at this point. I would have to agree. I um, mean, after the two-week manhunt, we're not yeah. just going to let you go. And he is getting brought up on new charges from this, which yeah. he should be. Yeah. Um, but he will have that as well. But I just can't even believe he got out. I no, can't that's even my believe he got out. question is how. And when they were, like... When they recaptured him after this whole, like, two-week-long manhunt, they, like, authorities said that he had this, like, thoroughly planned out. The only reason, he said that when they were searching for him, at some point, they were literally seven to eight feet away from him. Yeah. And he wasn't caught. You guys couldn't see my face, but my jaw was dropped. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, literally seven to eight feet away. Oh and was it my caught. gosh. But this reminds me of, like, what happened in my house. I mean, we literally, like, at one point we had this, like, really creepy guy walking around in our yard. And he, we found, like, a bunch of, like, well, not a bunch, but they did find, like, drug paraphernalia, like, on the back of my hill. And he had, like, threatened people. He was yeah. walking around. And my sister and I and my mom were home alone and all of a sudden I look out my front window and he's literally standing in my front yard and I'm like mom and she's like go lock yourself and take your sister lock yourself in the room I'm calling dad and so my dad comes home he like you know he's like do I need to get my gun like what do I need to do like I don't know if this man's gonna try and break in we call police they were searching on our hill our neighbors out my dad's out they're helping police look for this guy and my neighbor was like, I bet he's like right behind us, like joking around with police. Sure enough, literally like four to 10 feet behind them, he jumps out of a tree. He was literally in the tree listening to them talk while they were looking for him and they First arrested all, him. Why but... wouldn't you stay in the tree if you're not trying to get captured? I mean, I that's what to, I'm saying. I, I think he fell. I think he fell. <laughs> but like, how crazy is that? That these people, like, you think like police are like really trained to you know look up and here are these two i criminals that are right right i mean right there and that's what we need our yes it's crazy it's crazy it is. but anyways i just wanted, <laughs> i just wanted to touch on that um but we again maybe are, we'll have to cover this as a bonus episode <laughs> i know at some point but um we are just so excited for this series we're so excited for it to continue definitely give us you know your feedback we do put polls with every episode and we love when you guys vote yeah, in our so polls please vote yeah um and again i know we said this last episode but would you guys prefer these cases to be killing within the state or do you want them to be born, born in the state? state? Or do you want like a little like hybrid mix of both? We want to know. We want to gear it towards you guys as much as possible. Um, so definitely let us know what you think. We, again, love getting feedback, good or bad. Yeah. We, like, yes. we like to hear it all. Yeah. <laughs> um, we're always looking for things that we can improve on and how we can engage with you guys a little more. Um, but yeah, we're yeah. excited to continue and stay tuned for Arizona next week.